Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Conquest, your daily or almost daily source, rather, for everything crypto. I'm your host, John Wingate. Today, we're going to be covering the Luna Solana rug pull. What the hell happened with Luna and Solana? We'll go over that. We'll talk also about the liquid hack, another hack that just happened last night or this morning. Um, we'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about a small town in Missouri that's giving away free crypto to its citizens and the ETH supply crisis. What's going on? Don't worry. That's a good thing. We'll get into all that here in a second. Uh, thanks for joining us today. This is our fifth official show. We really appreciate everybody who gets on here and listens to us and joins into our conversation. So thank you all for that. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So the Luna rug pull that just happened. Wow. How crazy is this? So uh, I keep hearing about all of these, um, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, rug pulls, uh, you know, really two kinds of rug pulls in my eyes. You have a community rug pull, which everybody kind of gets FUD and they start selling out. They rug pull themselves. Don't be in a community rug pull. Don't FUD yourself. Uh, I think Andy Lee the other day was talking about how you don't want to be in the community and FUD yourself out of. <laughs> you FUD yourself essentially into a rug pull. Don't be that community. So just stay strong behind your uh, behind your community members and you'll be just fine. Um, but other than that, the Luna rug pull, that appears to be what I would consider a real rug pull where liquidity is stolen. There's no more trading volume able to take place because the liquidity is gone. You can't do anything. Gone. It's done. Uh, that's not... That's not community rugging. That's actually where the devs go in and take the liquidity out. That's bad. That's what happened to Luna, apparently. Uh, Luna on the Solana rug chain. Uh, not rug chain. On the Solana blockchain. Um, it may be called the rug chain here real quick. We'll see how Solana stacks up against proof of work and proof of stake. Um, I believe Solana is the proof of history chain. So we'll see how that algorithm ends up stacking up. Over the long haul, uh, I don't think it's as battle-tested as Ethereum, Proof-of-Work. Um, and we'll even see how the Proof-of-Stake chains stack up. They're looking good so far with things like Matic actually working, Matic Polygon actually working, who I had a great discussion with this morning. Uh, but that's the Luna, the Luna rug pull. We'll see where that ends up. But right now it's looking like about $10 million, uh, which is quite a bit of money. Uh, $10 million was hacked from Luna, rug pulled. The community members had no idea what was going on. The devs just pulled it and ran away with about $10, $10 million. I'm so sick of these, these scammers coming out and getting involved with real tokens, creating FUD in real tokens just to put their push their fake, their fake tokens so that they can rug you out of your money. It's ridiculous. It's getting... It's getting, quite frankly, uh, uh, getting tired of it. But it's part of DeFi. That's why you got to watch out. That's why you got to make sure that you believe in the community. Look at the code. Make sure you you really believe in that contract. Um, and you really believe in the people that are leading the, the, uh, the whole endeavor. 
that's why I think really, and I think Vitalik said it, um, the current method by which DeFi projects are run, most of them, it's just not a good method where you really don't know who's running them. You can still have DeFi and know who the people are who's running them. To me, DeFi just stands for decentralized finance where you don't have a big entity that's making all the decisions. And it's really, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it can be spun up by anybody at any time. Um, and it can be successful based on the, the code is really what you're believing in in DeFi. You're believing in the open source code, co open source code. That's, that's really what the essence of DeFi is. It's not these, you know, don't know who the guy is. He's just some Twitter handle or just some Telegram handle. You don't know who he is and he gets on every now and then and he talks and then you feel good because the price goes up. That's not DeFi. <laughs> might, might be called ScamFi, actually. We might, we might be able to go ahead and call that ScamFi, but that's not DeFi. Don't get sucked into something like that where you think DeFi has to be this decentralized, don't know who's doing it. That's not DeFi. DeFi is relying on the code, relying on the smart contracts, and I think relying on the people who are, who are behind it. Because at the end of the day, if they control the keys to the castle um, and you don't trust them, then while, while a community rug can still happen where the community fuds itself or you still have bad actors within a community that can pump and dump a coin, you won't have the type of exploits that happen here with the Luna, with the Luna rug pull, where the entirety of the liquidity it's gone. It's vanished. You can't, even if you hold a million dollars worth of Luna right now, you can't get it out because all the liquidity is gone. That's bad. And that leads us into the liquid hack that happened last night. Jesus Christ. What was that? A hundred million dollars. Uh, so the second hack of a pretty, you know, popular protocol in just as many weeks. Last week we had the poly network hack, which is not polygon. I want to be very clear. The poly network hack is not Polygon. Those are two different things. Poly network and Polygon are two different things. I talked with Polygon this morning. We cleared that up. Uh, I knew that, but again, I wanted them to, to just uh, talk about that on our little chat that we had that we're going to be publishing here in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, Polygon is not poly network. They're two different things. But the liquid hack, Jesus, news coming out about that in the last... 12 24 hours and it's it's just uh that's why you gotta that's why DeFi is good because you can actually read the code it's kind of why it's bad too but um you know with the code being available anybody's available to go look at that code it does make an interesting i was talking with a company called purify this morning um who does aml kyc uh on-chain aml kyc and with off-chain storage of the the actual hash and the information but we were talking about how it's not just hacking the the code anymore, it's hacking the economics. So there are a lot of smart guys out there that have learned how to hack the economics of smart contracts. And they're basically taking these smart contract tokenomics and figuring out how to hack staking, hack farming, um, to deplete a protocol of its liquidity, of its tokens. I think you see that happen a lot. And it's going to happen a lot more of these as these guys get more sophisticated. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, in our project, Bank Social, we're not just ready to jump out and jump on any new technology that comes out just because it's new and it's cool and it's readily available and uh, it's the next cool thing. That's not really how you run a successful project. You really want to make sure that 
you're getting on something that's tried and true. At the end of the day, it's a financial tool. You're putting your money somewhere, you're staking value somewhere. So you want to make sure that you're not dealing with an issue where you're jumping on something just because it looks like it's going to give you a good pump and then boom, your money's gone. So just be, be wary of that when you're out there and you're interacting across these networks that you don't want to be caught up in something like that because at the end of the day, it could, it could be traumatic. It could be the difference in you having a, a full bag and, a, and an empty bag. Quite frankly, the way, the way Web3 works, and a lot of people don't understand this, but when you go connect your wallet, when you're connecting your wallet, uh, some of these applications without you knowing, you're giving that application access to your wallet. So when you do that, you really need to make sure that you're trusting where you're connecting your wallet to uh, and, and ensuring that at a minimum, if you're giving it access, you're giving it very specific access. But even sometimes I think <clears throat> all the people out there, they just don't they just don't understand that. And they're out there uh, connecting to uh, applications that are giving full access to the wallet. So just be careful when you're out there. Don't jump on any new protocols before you before they vetted themselves out i mean give them a couple weeks a couple months to vet themselves out protocols i'm not talking about smart contracts are a little bit different because um for the most part a smart contract itself uh you know with a buy it's you know some of these are some of these dusts can be uh and, and some of these smart contracts can do the same thing if you give them access to your wallet but um, you know, you just got to know the code and you just got to make sure that the protocol is is battle tested. And I think uh, when I talked to Polygon Network this morning, one of the things that kept coming up in our conversation was the reason why they chose to be on the Ethereum chain. And the reason why they chose to be a uh, level two on the Ethereum chain is they felt like as far as being battle tested, the Ethereum chain is extremely hardened in the perspective of being battle tested just from a level of how many people try to hit that thing every day with hacks, just as it is, you know, uh, in a, in a more general sense, not specifically with any token, but the coin itself and trying to get access to it, trying to, trying to hack the network, trying to hack nodes. Um, you know, the 51% is probably the only hack that, that is, um, uh, you'd get consensus on that. If somebody took over 51%, that's really the only way that it could be hacked. So, uh, just make sure that before you jump on any protocols again, you give it time to vet itself out. That's why I'm not a fan of, I won't name any, I'll, I'll name Liquid because of what they had happen. But as far as all the rest of them, you know, I won't really, I won't really uh, talk about them, but there are several of them out there that are launching recently. Just stay clear of those. You don't want to be a part of those. Let's get up to some interesting news that is coming out of a place called Cool Water, Missouri. So the mayor of Coolwater, Missouri, his name is Jason Stewart. He's raising funds to give each resident up to $1,000 in Bitcoin. What's the catch? The catch is you can't sell it. Uh, so this tiny town in Missouri, it's uh, Cool Valley, Missouri. Okay, It becomes the first in the country to put Bitcoin in the hands of every resident. Jason Stewart, the mayor who's raising funds. Uh, there's about 1,500 people that live in this city, Cool Valley, and he's going to give them all $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. How cool is that? Um, you know, I think that uh, this, is a, this is a cool precedent to be seeing. You're seeing a lot of this uh, where uh, 
some countries have gone out and taken a step in this direction. They've they've uh, been talking about uh, specifically. You've got El Salvador. Um, you've got some South American countries that are coming out and making crypto, specifically Bitcoin and some of these uh, layer one solutions like Ethereum. They're making these kind of coins tokens uh, legal tender. So to see in America um, a mayor or a city rather trying to put a protocol in place to give its citizens some crypto, hopefully they can buy in on the appreciation. We'll see how they do that. That'll be an interesting that'll be an interesting little uh, test case there use case to see how they make people lock, how they make people stake that Bitcoin for how long are they going to make them stake that Bitcoin? I think it's really interesting. We'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, cool water. Missouri is going to be the first. uh, I I applaud the mayor over there, Mr. Uh, Jason Stewart. I applaud him. I think that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. It's a really interesting uh, concept to give the people in your city, raise money to give the people in your city. How many of you would do that? I mean, that I would, I would take it. I would gladly take it. And I would, you know, I would encourage a lot of cities to do that. I think that's very forward thinking. It gets, whenever the, whenever the municipality comes in, I think that gives, lends a lot of credibility to the, the currency itself. Uh, whenever you're, um, elected officials are jumping on board and giving it to you without any risk. I mean, that's another big thing is that these people are going to get this 500 or $1,000. That's a lot of money for people. And so getting that and getting it without any risk so that you can put it in your wallet, hold on to it and understand that there's no, there's nothing's going to happen. It's in there. It's safe. It's secure. You can use it. You can spend it pretty soon, probably in more places you're going to be able to spend it. But yeah, that's that's a really cool, uh, really cool project. I hope this takes off in some other cities and we start seeing this as a trend across the nation where um, people are, you know, given tokens. They feel good about holding them. They feel good about crypto in general because they're not spending that out of their own money and it starts to tip the tides. I think that's really what we need is we need something. We need some innovative uh, concepts to come out that engage people with a very low risk. And this seems to be a, a very good initial step into doing that. Um, so yeah, Jason, if you're out there listening, um, congratulations. I think that's great. And uh, I think that uh, you should try to get other cities on board to do that as well. So the last thing here on our list is the ETH supply crisis. So man, this is great. It's not a crisis of, uh, you know, it's not a negative thing. This is a great thing. What we're seeing is that liquidity and supply on centralized exchanges is dwindling down significantly, significantly. Okay. So let me break this down a little bit. So what you had a couple weeks ago, shit, has it even been a couple weeks? It's been, you know, just at two weeks. So since the fork happened, 1559. We've had almost 175, 180. I'm, I'm losing count of how much we've had. 180, 190 million dollars in Ethereum has been burned since August 5th. That's a tremendous amount of money, guys. I mean, if you look at my last uh, one of my one of my last podcasts, I talked about how much is getting burned, and that's a tremendous amount of money, a tremendous amount of Ethereum that's getting burned. On top of that. 
the supply on the centralized exchanges is coming down significantly. And that's probably as a result of these people with a lot of Ethereum, uh, probably thinking I'm just going to hold and taking it, uh, you know, taking it out of centralized exchanges and putting it into cold storage wallets or, or warm wallets that are not in a centralized exchange or being held in some type of centralized um, custodial type of contract. And we're seeing a supply crisis where people are having a hard time getting ETH. And that's why you see this price really start to move significantly over the last few last few weeks. Uh, and this is a great thing, guys. So along with this comes the liquidity on these exchanges, which means that um, you're having to go to other places to get uh, to get Ethereum. Namely, you're probably going to see more uh, you're going to see more um, direct to fiat conversions spin up, where you're going to have these middle layers, these middle layer tools, keep your eyes open for this. You're going to have these middle layer tools and, and we're working on one at bank social that are going to be um, taking credit card, taking fiat, debit card, fiat, wire exchange, whatever it is, and then going out and trying to find across many, many exchanges, trying to find Ethereum that's available for purchase. And we're going to see that this more and more is going to become something that is uh, uh, more prevalent in the markets. And I think we're really going to start to see Ethereum um, and, and it's going to probably pull a lot of these other tokens up with it, but we're really going to start to see Ethereum make a move here in the next 30 to 45 days because the supply crunch, I don't think even though it's there and it's, it's underlying in the economics of what's going on right now, it's definitely not something that is being seen or understood by the market in general. And it's going to take probably another 30, my guess would be another 30 to 45 days before that effect is fully felt. And then put on top of that, the force multiplier of Ethereum getting burned. Um, so, so we have two things happening. We have two things converging. The Ethereum burn, which in another 30 days, I would guess would be close to, you know, half a billion or maybe even somewhere up to 700 billion uh sorry sorry 700 million dollars um we're talking about a staggering amount here uh so in the next 30 to 45 days we have that convergence of a ton of ethereum being burned gone can't ever get it back we've got people pulling their ethereum to put it into and i see a lot of people going into the the eth2 stake pools i see a lot of people doing that i mean the eth2 stake pools are way over committed right now versus where they wanted to be six months ago they are they are six seven eight months ahead um and if you if you listen to my talk last uh, in one of our last podcasts i talked about how they hit another protocol they hit another proposal improvement proposal in the fork uh, that they launched on august 5th and that proposal had to do with increasing the uh complexity of the blockchain um, somewhere bringing it in six months so that it happens sooner. So all this stuff is starting to converge with Ethereum. Um, and they're, they're being very, very smart with how they're doing this. And with all these things converging, um, you're seeing people again, you've got the, the burning, you've got the supply crisis where people are bringing their supply off of the, the, uh, um, 
centralized exchanges, which means it's going to be harder to get it, which means the price is going to go up because the centralized exchanges have more. And then you have this block, uh, the, the uh, complexity is going to be increasing somewhere around November, December. These are three big components that as we go through the next 30 days, you're going to see the burn start to really take effect. People are really going to start to feel that burn. Um, you're also going to start to feel that uh, supply crisis. You're going to start to see it and you're going to start to feel it again. We're just in the initial stages of it, but it's happening. It's, it's, it's actually happening. You can watch the, uh, if you follow um, some of these centralized exchanges and you follow their centralized wallets, their, uh, their custodial wallets, you can see the Ethereum leaving in vast quantities. It's not small amounts. It's large amounts of Ethereum is being taken off the centralized exchanges. And I think, you know, just looking here, um, along with Bitcoin's rise, let me pull it up real quick. Along with Bitcoin's rise, you know, just today, Ethereum has added tons of volume and uh, uh, some pretty significant market cap. And with Bitcoin, we're almost at a billion, uh, uh, a trillion again. So Bitcoin nearing a trillion. Ethereum's up almost at 400 billion. You've got just the makings of this, this monster that's about to come out and happen in the next two to three months. You know, I'll talk about this on our next podcast, but when you start pairing this with the tax implications that are coming from the US government, where everybody before the end of the year, the new tax code is going to set in and, and a lot of people are going to be really trying to push those prices up before figuring out what they're going to do with that tax wise, either, either keep it on chain and completely work on chain or, you know, cash some of it out and figure out how to get it off chain with taxes. That's going to start to happen here too. So this is going to be a very interesting next few months for Ethereum. Um, I don't think that any of these other uh, products that are launching, namely um, Cardano smart contracts, I see a lot of people saying, oh, it's going to lose a lot of money for Ethereum. I think a lot more people believe in Ethereum um, than something like Cardano at this point. Sure. Is it going to, you know, increase its market cap? Absolutely. Do I think it's a place that you can uh, potentially stake value and be safe in doing so? Yeah, absolutely. I think Cardano is a good place, but I don't see uh, significant amounts of liquidity jumping out of Ethereum to get into Cardano. I just don't see it, especially until we see a little bit more of a move here uh, for the next month and a half, see how the burn plays out, see how the supply crisis plays out, see how the Blocks complex block complexity plays out here in the next few months. And then, of course, where are we at by the end of the year with Ethereum, too? I think at that point, you know, we start to see some moves in Ethereum, uh, either for the better or for the worse. I think that's our runway for Ethereum. And so but through the end of the year, I think I'm extremely bullish on, um, you know, this is not technical analysis. This is not, uh, you know, I'm not analyzing charts here. I'm just analyzing fundamentals of the protocol. This has nothing to do with charts, guys. So. You know, I'm not sitting here looking at charts and finding patterns and doing all that. I'm merely analyzing the the fundamentals of the ecosystem, nothing to do with price. So, you know, this is not financial advice. I don't have to tell you guys that. But uh, these are the things that I'm seeing that the protocol is doing um, that regard. I think you, you're going to see, you know, not with price, but just the way it's movement and it's its ability to stick around and really make some some big things happen before the end of the year. Um, so just to recap, um, 
the Luna Solana rug pull. Stay away from protocols. Stay away from DeFi protocols. <clears throat> I know we all want to make a quick buck. I know we all want to jump on something that gets us two, three hundred X, but definitely don't go dumping your whole bag into something, you know, play, play in these different tokens, play in these different coins, um, especially ones that aren't doxing there. Uh, you have a much, much higher risk with a, an undox team. And even with a dox team, sometimes you have a, uh, you know, potential for a rug pull. I know there's, there's been a few, but um, yeah, this is, this is, um, you know, it's annoying and there's really no place for it anymore. We're, I think we're, we're trying to move past this. So just, you know, don't assist those people. The liquid hack, try not to jump on to new protocols when they release. And and I'm not talking about a new token. A protocol is, you know, somewhere where you go in like Uniswap or, uh, you know, pancake swap, sushi swap, liquid, you know, these places where you're going in, you're connecting your wallet, you're giving access to your entire wallet. It can see everything you have in your wallet. It can interact with your wallet try to try to make sure those things are vetted either by third parties or they're vetted by time you know time is a good uh, is a good tool um you know you, you definitely don't want to be first always in a lot of these protocols because uh the risk is so high again look at what happened with poly network poly network you know you know they're still trying to figure out what happened i think it was a leaked key but something you know it doesn't matter how it happened uh the liquid hack is another another indicator of why you want to stay away from these types of protocols when they first launch, stay away from them. We got cool water, Missouri giving a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin for everybody. Again, I think this is great. I think it sets a precedent to uh, put Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in people's hands so that they can get it without the risk of utilizing their own money. They can see that it's safe. They can see that it's, they can use it in many different ways. They can see it has utility. And I think it bridges this gap of people's concerns with crypto. I'm really, really excited to see how this could maybe take off in some other small uh, places around the country, especially here in the United States where uh, crypto is looked upon as, um, you know, there's the government is trying to protect us when I think the government, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but they probably just don't understand it. So it's good to see some government uh, entities stepping into place and trying to bridge that gap. And then we have the ETH supply crisis. Hold on, because I think Ethereum is really going to do some great things here in the next few months. So this is John Wingate. Your almost daily source for crypto, Crypto Conquest. Really appreciate you guys joining in. We're going to try to beef these up and start doing these more once a day at least. Uh, and so we really appreciate everybody for jumping on and joining us for this quick 30 minutes. Make sure you like and share this and let your friends know about it. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy your day wherever you're at.